Sunrift Adventures and Historic Travelers Rest South Carolina has been outfitting the foothills for over 37 years with the best boats, bikes, tents, and more. With great brands, Sunrift has you covered for every adventure. Stop into Sunrift Adventures' unique outdoor shop and say hello today. Go to sunrift.com for more information. That's sunrift.com. Nature's Edge is brought to you by the Angler Magazine of Western North Carolina, Western North Carolina's only magazine dedicated to the fishing enthusiast. Pick one up at over 400 locations throughout Western North Carolina or visit them online at theanglermagazine.com to find out more. And be sure to follow them on Facebook, Angler Magazine of Western North Carolina.com. Hey guys, Dale Stewart here. Welcome to Nature's Edge. Most of you know that I do a lot of work with watershed and with water, and I do a lot of uh, conservation efforts with our wetlands. And our guest today is uh, someone who can talk about that a little bit, talk about water quality and some of the other things. Uh, Regina Gokul, did I get that right, Regina? <laughs> is an AmeriCorps member serving as a water quality administrator for Mountain True. Mountain True, uh, as many of you here know, is a local nonprofit and environmental advocacy group um, in uh, western North Carolina. Regina, welcome to Nature's Edge. Thanks for having me, Dale. You're good. Do you want to get a little closer to that microphone, sure. maybe? How's this? That's I don't know. Ask, ask uh, Forrest. <laughs> <laughs> ask the guy pushing the buttons over there. He'll he'll work. Well, let's just start right into this because there's a lot of stuff I want to talk to you about. Why don't you tell us a little bit more about your background, mm-hmm. how you got into to the water world, sure. and uh, uh, you know, remind a few people about Mountain True. Yeah. So um, I'm originally from St. Louis, Missouri, so I grew, to, grew up right along the banks of the Mississippi River. Know it well. Uh, yeah, I'm sure you do. Every, every square inch, I bet. Um, and yeah, as you know, that river, I mean... Most people, not not yourself, right? Most people, you know, sound-minded people, um, don't necessarily, like, recreate in that river. It's not super known for swimming holes and fishing or any sort of boating activities. You kind of just use it for barges, you know, large transportation, Commercial. stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, it's, it's pretty to look at for the most part, but you don't really get in it. You don't really, like, interact with it too much. Um, so river ecosystem, like that was the nearest river ecosystem that I was kind of familiar with growing up. Um, so I, it didn't really occur to me that, you know, really clean, pristine rivers existed until I would go out, you know, on float trips once in a blue moon with my family. So, um, but I definitely enjoyed those experiences and I hopped right across the Mississippi to go to school in Southern Illinois at uh, university, Southern Illinois in Carbondale. And, um, yeah, I, I kind of started out on a wrong foot, I guess. I thought I would be into architecture, which turned out was far too much time inside in a studio, pulling all-nighters, um, and that really wasn't for me, and I found myself kind of staring out the window, always looking at what's going on out Outdoor there. Outdoor girl. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I was like, you know what? Something ain't right here. So I switched my major to forestry because a lot of their classes were actually held outside and in the field. So I had a blast in that department. And kind of as I started um, honing in my focus, we had a, a newer program, kind of a specialty within the forestry major of watershed management um, and hydrology. And I was really, really 
um, pretty excited about that sort of stuff. At the same time, I was really getting into whitewater kayaking. I had worked at a Boy Scout camp, and we had a rafting program in Fayetteville, West Virginia, going down some you know pretty big water stuff in the New River Gorge, or at least it felt really big at the time. <laughs> um, and yeah, that was like super exciting, really thrilling stuff. I couldn't wait to go back each summer, and I ended up... Um, learning how to kayak and I actually worked there as a video boater so I would paddle ahead of the rafts and kind of eddy out and perch myself up on a rock and um, shoot video of the rafts going down which was really really fun so basically during the school year I was learning all about watersheds and in the summertime I was like full-time video boating being on the river every second of the day so well you know I started out paddling whitewater and, yeah yeah uh, <clears throat> kind of paddling over uh waterfalls uh-huh. and, and crazy stuff and you know now i like nice calm uh, right. water like the mississippi for and, months at a time <laughs> yeah yeah for most most of the time so what um what brought you to western north carolina and to, and to the mountain true area well i had visited this area once before essentially um took a i think it was nine hour road trip or something from the Midwest, um, Southern Illinois, down to the Green River Gamelands to paddle the Green, the Green River. Um, And that was kind of my first experience in like a steep creek area. So lots of drops, pool drop area, not necessarily what I was used to, but I absolutely fell head over heels. And I didn't really go to Asheville. I didn't stop through town. We went straight to the Gamelands. I fell in love, and I had to go back to school, obviously. It was just like a three-day jaunt over here. Um, But graduation was coming up, and I was trying to figure out, you know, where should I move to? I didn't really want to stay in southern Illinois. It was really far from any of the whitewater kayaking that I really enjoyed, um, particularly kind of getting a taste of the the creeks of western North Carolina. Um, I was pretty hooked, so I found a really, really neat position here through AmeriCorps Project Conserve, um, as the water quality administrator. And I was like, oh, this would be way too perfect, right? It would just be like, I couldn't find anything better in the most beautiful part of the mountains that I wanted to be in. Yeah, there's no way this would work out. Um, but I decided to shoot for it anyway. And it was like pretty quick. It just kind of happened. It fell into my lap and, um, I got the gig and I've been here for the last year and a half now starting my second term as an AmeriCorps member. So, Um, usually you serve about 11 months and then you kind of have the option to find something else or to stick around for another term. So this is pretty much the middle of my second term. Well, stick around. You know, we we have some pretty good paddling waters around. (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. And I've barely scratched the surface since I've been here too. Oh, absolutely. It's one of the main things that brought me and my wife here was, was the water and the paddle and, and the mountains and, and being able to get away. Well, let's talk about something that I'm very interested in, and that's water quality. Sure thing. Uh, kind of what um, what are you guys at Mountain True doing uh, as as advocates for water quality, and and kind of walk us through that. Well, sure. We have we're doing a lot in a bunch of different regions. So we have we host the Riverkeeper program, which is a Waterkeeper Alliance affiliate, and. Um, through the river keepers, we have different kind of subdivided regions based on where they are. So we have the Watauga River Keeper up in the high country, the French Broad River Keeper um, here in Buncombe County in Asheville, who you're familiar with. Um, we have the Green River Keeper, who I work for essentially or serve with. 
and we kind of just added on this new position that's not entirely formed yet, but um, has been brought onto our team over in um, the Broad River, um, over in like Shelby Rutherfordton area. Um, so that pretty much creates a huge, huge area that we work within. So in terms of the projects that we're dealing with, a lot of it has to do with kind of, you know, what we would consider like routine maintenance. We're checking up on things. We're doing monitoring. Um, we're utilizing a lot of kind of citizen scientists and volunteers to help us collect data. And based on what we find from from that data, we'll go ahead and kind of investigate if anything's shown up as a red flag. Um, also, if there's any sort of questionable development practices that are occurring um, will definitely be cued into that. So, um, for example, um, the Green River Keeper, Gray Jernigan, has been super active with the Tryon Equestrian Center um, in basically attempting them to limit their erosion in the sediment that's coming off of their property. So that's been um, a big project of his, basically trying to hold them accountable to their development practices. Um, and you can kind of see that in a lot of other areas as well. So, um, there's, yeah, I don't know where to start. I guess everyone's doing so much stuff. Yeah. I I know there's a lot, a lot going on and a lot that you guys, uh, uh, do. I met Regina a a few weeks ago at a, at an event and she was there with a microscope and a bunch of water bugs. Yeah. Uh, talk about that a little bit. (laughs) I brought a microscope to the bar and I thought it would be a good idea um, which kind of shows how shamelessly nerdy I am about aquatic insects, I guess, um, which is something I wasn't super, super familiar with familiar with uh, before moving to this area. So like I said, a lot of the projects and like all the stuff I was studying in southern Illinois, we had a, we had good topography, right? So it's it's not just all cornfields in Chicago. It's once you get to the southern tip, we have, you know, a lot of cool natural spaces, but nowhere near, nowhere near the biodiversity that you see here. So when I started learning about aquatic insects, you see a lot of things like midges and snails and just frankly not that exciting. Um, And then I moved down here and it's just like this whole alien life form, whatever, that I've never seen before. Totally different ecosystem. Like crazy things. Like I literally had no idea what they are or where to start. Um, So when I started learning about them, I just, you know, grew more and more fascinated Um, which was really helpful because I run a citizen science volunteer monitoring program here called SMIE, or the Stream Monitoring Information Exchange. Yeah, talk about that a little bit. Sure. So essentially what I was doing with the microscope at the bar um, was trying to kind of... Yes, I was at a bar. (laughs) (laughs) Surprise. Um, Yeah, so essentially I was kind of trying to draw people's attention into what we're doing. So recruiting volunteers was one of those, was a part of that effort um, because the entire program is volunteer run. So essentially I, you know, coordinate this army of volunteers that split up into teams and they head out into 23, and I think we've added maybe two more sites now, so about 25 different rivers or streams in Henderson County, um, in all of these kind of sub-watersheds, and they get into the creek, and they kick up a bunch of bugs. I guess they kick up the rocks. They collect these bugs in a net, and they count and identify the bugs. And based on what they find, how many and what kinds of bugs they find, they're really, really strong indicators of how the water is doing. So 
Um, some of these bugs are super, super sensitive to pollution. So if there's any amount of lowered dissolved oxygen or if the temperature shoots up or if there's simply too much sediment in the water or something like that, you won't find those sensitive bugs whatsoever. Um, so that's kind of that can clue you in into maybe there's something wrong with their habitat if these bugs aren't surviving. Um, also, they're pretty immobile. So a lot, some of these bugs, like particular species of mayflies or caddisflies, will be in the water. They'll live in their larval state underwater for up to four years without moving, you know, more than like a couple square feet for four years, which is mind-boggling to me. Um, so that kind of shows you a long-term trend, right? So if they've been able to survive there for at least four years and they're really sensitive, okay, well, that watershed's probably pretty healthy. Um, so, yeah, we collect data from... You know, almost 25 different sites, and we compile all of it together and put into an annual annual report, um, and make that available for policymakers, for any sort of stakeholders, um, for basically anyone who's interested in the health of their watersheds. I love the work you're doing. I, I, the only thing I would say is when they're in the water moving uh-huh. over rock, yeah. tell them to leave my hellbenders alone. <laughs> sure thing, yeah. <laughs> Typically, I mean, we're looking at like almost gravelly, pebbly-sized rocks. Yeah, I would be, you know, pretty stern with a volunteer who's trying to pry a 1,500-pound rock or something Oh, yeah, up. because then he's going to have to deal with me. Cause yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, let me ask you. Uh, so you have these volunteers, and I'm guessing they're not scientists. They're not biologists. They're not... By no means. Uh, I mean, some of them, So you sure, guys maybe. train them, correct? I Absolutely. Mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you train them in what to yep. do. And are you still looking for volunteers, or do you have any events Absolutely. coming up? Absolutely. I or? mean, yeah. So we're always looking for volunteers, and we actually have um, the training workshop for this SMIE program coming up on Saturday, March 30th. March 30th. Um, okay. Correct. It's pretty much an all-day event split into, like... The morning session from 9 till about noon will be in the lab at the Blue Ridge Community College, Mm -hmm. Um, kind of looking at insects. I'm going to bring a whole bunch um, to kind of look at, figure out how to identify and look at all their different characteristics. And then in the latter portion of the day, um, from about 1 to maybe 4, we're going to go head out into the Green River Gamelands, um, a little bit southeast of Flat Rock. And we're going to go practice the protocol. So I'm going to get people kind of the hands-on side, getting in the water, getting their, you know, hands dirty and figuring out how to actually collect these bugs. Yeah, you know, the, um, the, the, the thing about those bugs, I mean, if you just look at them and you're not trained, right. they all look alike. Oh, absolutely. Or, yeah. you know, so, yeah. But they do have different um, uh, patterns of behavior. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that, that's one of the things that always fascinated me about them. Yeah, I know that... Um, I guess if you're not a scientist, but you might have a lot of knowledge about this particular area of study um, for fly fishermen and anglers. So they basically base their flies off of these bugs. Yep, I'm so, one of them. Yeah, yeah, so I think that's really neat. And to me, I can identify the bugs. And like, if I see a fly, I know basically nothing about fly fishing. So let me just warn you all now. <laughs> I might sound stupid. But I see a fly and I can almost see, oh, okay, well, that kind of looks like a uncased caddisfly or something or like that or might look fly. like yeah that might look like a you know a certain kind of stonefly or mayfly which is really neat because i have like i said like i i don't know what that fly pattern is based off of but if you show me just a handful of flies they're all going to look like sparkly hairy like whatever they are i would not be able to differentiate 
you know, between any of them, unless someone kind of lined them up, pointed out certain differences and taught me how to do it. And then with some practice, you're actually like, oh, this is not so bad. Like, it's actually pretty fun to do. And in this case, it gets you outside and it gets you kind of in areas that you might not otherwise explore. So I think that's, you know, a, a pretty good draw for new volunteers. Now, do the volunteers also get involved with, I mean, do you guys monitor the, the chemical makeup of the water? Yeah, and that's for pollutants and- absolutely. That's like the entire um, other half of monitoring water quality. So studying the bugs and the habitat gives you a really good idea of um, kind of the biological components of that watershed. But it's not giving you the whole picture. So in order to get the whole picture, you do want to monitor the chemical aspects as well, looking at things like um, pH, conductivity, alkalinity, um, suspended solids and uh, sediment levels, stuff like that, and nutrients as well, so the phosphates and the nitrates. All of those chemical parameters are really, really important. And if you have one or the other, either just biological or just chemical analysis of that water, you're not getting the whole picture. So we like to do both, and we deploy different volunteers. Some of them do both. So sometimes we have, you know, super, super active, wonderful volunteers that want to, vo- like, that want to do help us out in any way they can. Um, but typically, uh, the chemical monitoring occurs once a month and it's always on the third Saturday of the month Um, you'll go out to this site and you basically just scoop up some water Um, and they're usually pretty easy to access right Um, which is great and the biological stuff so the SMIE stuff um, occurs twice a year once in the fall and once in the spring so it's a little bit you know less uh responsibility i guess in terms of commitment since you only have to go out a couple times a year so you really depend on on civilian volunteers to entirely entirely i would need like 50 mm-hmm. other people doing exactly what i do in order to get this stuff done and even then it would be like we would need more hands on deck yeah i, I you know the, the water quality is so important um yeah, a lot of people know when i paddle the water route of the trail of yeah. tears the yeah. tennessee the ohio the mississippi and the, and the arkansas river uh, what some people don't know is I actually took water samples oh, uh, cool. uh, along the way and presented those to uh, to some water biologists and that some hydrologists awesome. uh, awesome. that would meet me in certain locations, and I would hand it off to them, and they'd give me a cold beer, and away I'd go, <laughs> oh. and, and, and paddle wow. away. Um, you were talking about paddling a little bit, yeah, and, and we've, got, we've got a few minutes left here. <laughs> I know, uh, uh, do you compete? Um, yes, every now and then when I get a hankering, um, but I've kind of only started to break into that. So, um, I was in Ecuador in January and, um, that was kind of my first, well, I wouldn't say that was my first race. Um, none of the race courses I've been on have I had, have I been very familiar with. So it's always been like not very competitive, mostly just trying to survive. Um, I competed in, uh, the Russell Fork, Lord of the Forks race, um, a couple years ago for the first time, and it was like my second time ever on that river, um, which was, you know, some pretty stout whitewater. And um, more recently, I was in Ecuador, and I participated in the Upper Hondachi Fest, which was an absolute blast and super fun. Um, I was kind of shooed into third place since there was only three females competing, so it's kind of a nice ego boost, but also like, dang, I definitely didn't beat anyone here. That's all right. Um, you know, it, it's... Uh... Uh, I'll have to get you on the water some. I, yeah. I don't know if you know. I've I've actually worked with and trained uh, 
some Olympic. Oh, right there. on. Yeah, so, I need uh, the I need the speed <laughs> for I sure. Will, I will work for beer. So we'll get out there. Same and can, uh, here. We can, we can. Uh, I'll paddle for beer. <laughs> Wait know. a second. Who's going to supply the beer here? Well, we we get somebody, I'm <laughs> sure, to do that. Um, first, how are we doing on time? About three minutes. All right. Uh, well, let's let's continue on a little bit. Um, sure. Do you guys still have the Adopt-A-Stream program? Yes, we do. Um, so the Adopt-A-Stream program is essentially, it's modeled after the Adopt-A-Highway. So it involves a lot of kind of litter cleanups at least once a year. Um Whoever adopts that stream, be it a church group, a scout group, an individual, a family, basically anybody can adopt any section of stream that they wish, um, and I can train them into how we do that. But um, mostly that involves um, cleaning up litter for a certain section and debris removal, and also kind of like you know quarterly check-ins. So maybe once a season, just going out to that section of stream and creating or conducting kind of a habitat survey. What does it look like? What does it smell like? What is it? You know, don't taste it. You know, yeah. Let's be safe here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, kind of just monitoring it visually, and then you can add on you know additional responsibilities to that if you want to, such as the bug monitoring or the chemical monitoring. So those would be kind of be like tacked on if you wanted to. Um, but it's mostly the stream cleanup and the visual surveys. Well, you know, something that I've done in the past and uh, is work with kayakers and paddlers on kind of yes. showing them what to look for. Absolutely, So yeah. they can notify, uh, you know, some of the river keepers or something, hey, we saw oh, yeah. this or we saw that. And uh, Hartwell Carson, yep. is, as you know, who's the river keeper on the French Broad, uh-huh. uh, of course they do big cleanup systems yeah. and, and cleaning up and, and, and other things. but. I think it's important, particularly for people uh, like myself and and you and and a lot of people in Western North Carolina who are paddlers and who do use our rivers, Mm -hmm. uh, for them to get out there and know what to look for and also who to contact uh, if if they need to. Speaking of contact, uh, how how do people get in touch with you if they want to join you? Uh, Definitely feel free to shoot me an email um, at wqa at mountaintrue.org would probably be the best way. uh, yeah, or Gray Jernigan, which is gray at mountaintrue.org. Um, those are our southern regional office. So if you're, you know, you know you've had any concerns in Henderson County, for sure. Um, otherwise, you can find our information on mountaintrue.org, our website, and look for the contact me. Um, All right. Well, I have certainly uh, appreciate you coming on here and us and talking with us today. Uh, thanks and, for inviting uh, me. And friends, until we see you again. Run fast and run wild. Visit naturesedgemedia.com. You can check out podcasts, videos, lecture archives from Dale, and much more. Thank you for listening to Nature's Edge with Dale Stewart, brought to you by Angler Magazine of Western North Carolina.